This is the 2.1 cast. Just a reminder that there are still tickets for the big Scottish football quiz on Tuesday, December 12th. Fancy getting involved? There's a free pint in it for you. Head to the 2.1.com for details on how to buy tickets or search for us on Eventbrite. Hello and welcome back to the 2.1 cast. Stefan, how you doing? I'm alright mate, how are you? I'm good, yeah. Uh, I was going to say how you doing Graham because I'm kind of used to saying that but he's not here this week. No. We're joined by Matthew Johnston of the Herald and the Evening Times. How you doing Matt? I know, bad. Brought off the bench for a, a 10 minute cameo. That's so it, I know. And you, you've nice to get some minutes under my belt. I know, <laughs> but you know, if you play well you could be next season you could find yourself starting, you know. Christ. You know, yeah. It's <laughs> probably that's, that's my position under threat rather than Graham's. <laughs> I, know. I feel as well like uh, Graham's away in New York living it up so we're, we're lucky enough to have uh, Matt's lovely flat to record in. Can yeah. you hear that, hear that echo? I don't know if you can hear that echo but... Uh, I hope not. Like, if you can hear that echo, it means Neil's not edited this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, okay, we'll be fixing that in post. Uh, yeah, so I mean, this week, I think it'd be easy to talk about Celtic playing in Europe. Uh, it would also be easy to talk about McInnes, since uh, McInnes and Rangers is what everybody wants to talk can about. Can I just jump in here a minute Go and just it. like, yeah, yeah. just a good old, you know, banter years reference here, like how bloody stupid Scottish football is right now. I love it. Like, on the ones, you've got Celtic fans who are convinced the media hates them. You got Rangers fans who are convinced Scotland hates them. You got Craig Levine who, thanks to Michael Stewart, now thinks everyone hates them and everyone's against them. And you got bloody like St Johnston who can't get up and down the A9. Like yeah. the whole thing's falling apart. But it's hilarious. Austin McPhee's just about coming round from that scrap he had in the touchline. So. <laughs> like that policeman, by the way, I can't stop laughing. Oh, with the two hands. Yeah. Like, the kind of like, that was my 15 seconds of fame. <laughs> Unnecessary. Man. I don't think it was a policeman. I think it was just like some guy in a high vis. It wasn't even. Like there wasn't even an actual scrap. Like it took like Dougie, I mean, like ten minutes to stand up. To be fair, but <laughs> 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 a man fell over. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Also, as well, Dougie, I mean, was standing up. It's just you couldn't tell. He's quite a small lad. Oh. Uh, <laughs> like, Scottish well, football man. Well, we're not actually going to talk about any of that because you know mm. we're the two point one and we're cool and we're edgy. Above yeah, we're cool and edgy and hipster uh, <laughs> slash wankers. Uh, so <laughs> we're going to talk about. We're going to just do a bit of a round table and we're going to look at who we think had, up until now that is, the best season in the Scottish Premiership. Now, I think the obvious one for a lot of us would be Celtic since they're, they're top of the table, they're, they're seemingly invincible domestically. I think it's more, you'll agree with me, we're more looking at teams that have maybe punched above their weight, don't have anywhere near the resources some of the bigger clubs have, um, who are performing and overachieving. So I think since Matt's a guest, we'll let Matt go first. Um, the honour. You've got, I think you've got a club, I think we've all got a club in mind. Ah, I think yeah. we've all agreed to do different okay. ones, so we'll just kind of go round it and then we can just pick or agree or whatever. Yes, yeah, yeah sure. Um, I mean, to get things off to a flyer, uh, <laughs> I think mine's actually the, the simplest to argue. And um, Motherwell, they've obviously had a final this season already. You wouldn't have expected that at the start. Uh, as much as they've had a, a terrible week on and off the pitch, which I'll get to in a bit, um, they're sitting fifth, 23 points, they're six behind Tibbs with a game in hand. Um, and their next four fixtures are it's a pretty simple run in December. Um, Hearts away, which we've seen Pinecastle already, the Craig Lafine effect. It's, it's, it's not exactly rosy over there. Park Thistle away. Might get a scrap though. Yeah, 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 exactly. Park Thistle away. Park Thistle still rock bottom. 
uh, Kilmarnock away and as much as Steve Clark's picked it up a bit they're still absolutely bobbins at Rugby Park um, I think you had a go at the pitch earlier Stefan and that's, that's not right. changing anything despite so. the amazement or the genius of Steve Clark he still can't get a football team <laughs> playing that pitch yeah, exactly uh, and then they've got Dundee at home which obviously Neil McCann kind of they've pulled a win out of the bag this week but still uh, still struggling uh, before Rangers at the end of December um, who knows what will be going on it'll be there quite interesting to see because like, obviously they have played Celtic three times in a row whether they can kind of pick themselves up because mm. I know they've, they've obviously lost games this season but I think to lose three in a row whether, no matter who, that, who that's to it'll be interesting to see if they can bounce back well I looked at it earlier um, what it brought to mind for me was do you remember uh, Dundee United a couple of years ago ended up playing Celtic four times in a row yes. uh, it was, I think there was two Scottish Cup no sorry yeah two Scottish Cup games one was a replay uh, the League Cup final itself which obviously parallels with Motherwell and uh, a league game and they lost three and I think they, they obviously drew the, the first Scottish Cup game and after that uh, Jackie McNamara was Dundee United fell off a cliff like right. so um, as much as Motherwell is a, a little bit different they've lost twice they've drawn once uh, you could say the draw would have felt like a defeat how close they came to breaking the, the unbeaten run for Celtic um, and they're in a, probably a stronger position than Dundee United at that point and you'd say they've got more time to bounce back but it will be interesting to see um, how they go uh, after that I mean, yeah, that's, that's kind of the main thing I think thing I might have said me. they lost three times there I don't even remember if I did but if I did, apologies, that's completely incorrect because I think it's because like, it obviously was, like you say, a total kicker for them in, on Wednesday night Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the weird thing about it Like, even though they've got to a cup final it doesn't really feel that there's much to celebrate because straight after it I mean obviously the nature of the cup final the fans are still quite angry but there's also the fact that they then got horsed by Celtic straight after it's two games I mean obviously the game on Wednesday was a lot closer but I, it, I feel like I feel quite bad for Motherwell fans because a week after they've had to watch the team get thumped at Celtic Park by a relatively like you know backup team as well it doesn't feel like they've I mean I've, I've, I've been kind of complimentary of having the League Cup final at this stage of the season because it means it gets its own day in the sun you know I mean fans genuinely did get excited about it it was a spectacle but the downside to that means that like three days later they're back at it again and like you know if it was in May then they can just be like sure they might, get, they might be pissed off for a weekend but for the whole summer they can be like oh we got to the League Cup final that was still something yeah, special yeah, wasn't it yeah. but now they can't because they're still they're still stuck in the midst of it all so yeah, I think I think burnout at this point in the season is probably December's the main thing. December's your most packed month as well just now. That's uh, with Parkhurst, I've got something like eight games. Uh, Motherwell, obviously not as packed as that, but it's six or seven. Like it's, yeah, it's it's yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, they're obviously doing a lot better than they did last season. I mean, right now, which is all we're really basing these things on, it's hard to argue against that, but um, they'd have to be pretty, they'd have to have a really dreadful second half of the season to like fall back down to where they were last season, wouldn't they? Yeah. I think um, obviously we're saying the the Celtic games might have knocked the stuffing out of them as well. Um, I think a lot of that could have been avoided with the off pitch stuff. Um, obviously, Brendan Rodgers this weekend's had a go at Alan Burrows for um, apparently coming into the, the press room with a laptop and pointing at, uh, out the the penalty incident, which is it's kind of by the by. Um, I think Alan Burrows does a lot of great work. You just had him at a live event uh, and he, he spoke very well about Scottish football and he, he'd say he's one of the kind of leading lights for um, modernising the league. Um, that said, I think at the, on this occasion, Alan Burrows, the lifelong Motherwell fan, maybe got the better of Alan Burrows, the, the chief executive. So uh, Rogers probably right enough and maybe having a wee go, but it's at that point as well, you'd kind of say it's beneath Rogers to drag that kind of stuff up. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand where the kind of dramas come from because 
someone really put it well, I can't remember who it was, maybe in Thing McGowan at the Daily Mail, but Steve McGowan. But Rod Burroughs is for like the best part of ten years being like the media manager at Motherwell before he became, you know, his position now. So he's just it's just second nature for him to walk into the media room, talk to journalists about what's going on and stuff. Yeah. And like you said, I think that was just like his instinct was to just go talk to people and then you know, Rogers came out and he's defined it as, you know, the chairman or whatever, or whatever is, I keep forgetting his position, as CEO or whatever, has, he's now, I mean, it obviously sounds much different if it's like a club chairman's walked in the media room and he's, yeah. he's trying to tell journalists what to write or what to say, as opposed to a media manager or media spokesman, which, you know, or, you know, just a you know, bit of inside baseball, that happens all the time when you go to any club, the media manager will talk to you about what you've written or what, you're, what he wants you to write and you have to kind of, tell me to piss off to an extent and play as well you can so I don't know but you're right yeah it seems like there's a that's that, that kind of fits into what I was saying earlier on there's been so much noise off the pitch that fans Motherwell fans haven't really even been able to enjoy the fact that they got to a cup final which in itself is such a huge achievement yeah and obviously Celtic won that cup final but like we don't want to look backwards too much but Motherwell played well and they, I think they gave a good show to themselves. So no, I think you're right; it gets, it gets lost a bit. But I think the other worry, is, and obviously, is looking looking forward for Motherwell is in January whether they can keep Louis Moat as well. And I know they're not a one man team. They do they do have other good players like Cadden, Bo, uh, Bowman, um, both both great Richard players. Tate right back as well. Yeah, for sure. But he is the talisman of that team, and he's massively important. And it'll be interesting to see whether they can get through another transfer window and keep him. Yeah, I saw the, the Sun has reported this morning that Wigan uh, were interested in him. Um, they said they'd go for something like 500,000. Don't, I don't know how accurate that is, um, especially when Aberdeen were quoted to lose at around about a million mark on it at that point. But his, his contract is up at the end of the season. You kind of think, well, what am I well going to do from here? You'd say top six is... Uh, I, think, I, think, I think the general assumption at the club right now is that they're basically just, they've got the calculator out and they're basically being like, well, how much will we make if we get top six with Mo? And if an offer comes in that's worth more than that, I think they'll probably sell him, to be honest. Do you think they'll make top six where they to lose Mo? I know that's a massive... High if they lose Mo? If they lose Mo, do you think they'll still make top six? And the moment there's five points between them and St Johnston, who are in seventh. I think, well, God... Because it's not as big a gap as if I you, thought If it you was. put it in that context, you'd be optimistic because St Johnston are going to lose O'Halloran in January. Exactly, and Tommy Wright looks a bit disenchanted just now. There's not many players that are covering themselves in glory at St Johnston. Um, as much as, I, th- I think they beat Motherwell 4-1 at the start of the season. That's, you couldn't see that happening at all now. Yeah, and also to put in a point that, like, like you said earlier on, Neil, like we said before the, the cup final actually, it's not just Bolt that this team's that they've got they've got they've got more clean sheets already this season than they did the whole last season. That, been as well. uh, yeah. that def- I mean, that's kind of the encouraging thing for Motherwell fans. I think it's a bit like the the real key player, the real star in this Motherwell team is actually Stephen Robinson actually. Yeah. And again I get the impression that he could get any eleven boys to basically run through walls for him at the minute and yeah. that's a good point. So I think I think that in itself, they sell Molt for like half a million in January, sure. It's a shame to see a player like that leave Scotland or if he moves on to I don't know. I mean, you could still maybe see. Well, I doubt Aberdeen will be interested in him now, but there's a club, a couple of clubs in Scotland that might be interested in him too. So he might stay, but if he was to leave Scottish football, that'd be a shame. But I don't think it would be game over for Motherwell. No. Good, good business as well. Just getting back to Robinson as well. There, um, I thought actually he made a good point, uh, taking all the negatives of this week for them. Um, one positive is they've kind of. Uh, it's maybe. He maybe overstated it, but to an extent, they've kind of uh, forged this rivalry with Celtic. They've got a bit of needle now and a bit of bad blood, and that's the stuff you kind of you tune in for, and that's that's why you'd want to watch the game. 
it's, as much. It's, it's a testament to how well they've done that there is a rivalry with Celtic. Yes, exactly. I mean? it's, it's, you can say there's one with Rangers as well after the semi-final. There was the, the, the broken nose chat and stuff like that and dirty Motherwell. That the Bowman final. Yeah. But yeah, no, he's, he's done a brilliant job, especially kind of when he came in. Uh, I think I, I'm always a bit wary when an assistant manager's promoted to the manager's job. Do you know you think he's entrenched in the hierarchy that didn't work? Why would you get a guy that's sh- uh, either either he's been 100% behind the values or he's been sitting there with a knife out the whole time waiting uh, for yeah. Mark McGee to, I don't know, punch a fan, Mark McGee, maybe? <laughs> but, um, I was about to say, like the, the secret behind Robinson's success might be that he's took that untapped rage of Mark McGee and he's managed to funnel it into something progressive, you know? I think um, a lot of Motherwell fans would have been not particularly happy with that appointment. Not that they, would, like, they were willing to fail or anything like that, but I think a lot of people would have been a bit uninspired. He, he was brought in, like you're saying, and he was part of the kind of the set-up already. So yeah. a lot of people would maybe want a fresh start, get that you know, new manager buzz, but... Uh, yeah, it maybe looks a bit unimaginative from the outside, but um, when you get down to it, it gives you a chance to uh, have the continuity with the players that are playing well. Your Louis Moults, your Carl McHugh was playing well at the time, he obviously got that injury. Um, but it also gives them a chance to say, listen lads, I want to kind of put my own mark on the team. He got rid of, um, as much as some of these guys were on their way already, the old guard was Stephen Pearson. Uh, James McFadden was there, he was assistant manager for a bit as well, he's obviously signed up with Queen of South, which is to my eternal chagrin, but uh, <laughs> um, McFadden was there, Lasley obviously made the uh, assistant manager, so he's, he's still in the uh-huh. cell but not playing anymore, and uh, blue eyes Stephen himself. McManus, Craig Sampson, he got rid of all this kind of old guard, and uh-huh. there was a lot of young talent there already, he supplemented it with uh, talent from uh, down south. Uh, but also kept the, the players that were playing he well. Spent, so he spent nothing as well. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Happy with, to move on from Motherwell. Yeah, we probably should. You made a good case. You made a good case, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Well, we'll go next to you then, since me yours is quite con- well. I don't think yours is controversial, but a lot of people maybe on the uh, outset, or if they were to see it from the outset, but like, that's the probably the hardest one to argue that they're having yeah, a good true. season. So, I said to my dad in the so way over Rangers, here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry about your saying No, I was saying to my dad in the car on the way over. He was, he was just, I was just like, we're just going to talk about who we think is having the best season. And I was like, and I was like, oh, your mother. Well, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, and Hamilton, he's like, what? <laughs> I was like, no, no, Hamilton. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, sorry, spoilers, but. Uh, uh, you're well, bloody hell, you stole my bloody thunder. I know, there. sorry, man. Yeah, I mean. Obviously, Mother was a great case, but I think there's one to be made for Motherwell as well. Uh, bloody hell, Hamilton as well. Um, largely, it's not not just based off this, but the power rankings we've been doing through the season, we've kind of seen Martin Cannon kind of moving up and up and up. And they obviously had a really poor start to the season. They dropped, they lost like God, what how many like seven games in a row or something um, back in September. And I think a lot of people thought, I especially at the start of the season thought, right, Hamilton avoided relegation by the skin of their teeth. And you looked at the fact that Hibernian were coming into the league and then still have Aberdeen, you had Rangers and stuff like that. So I thought everyone's basically moving down a gear, Hamilton, Bolton. It's as simple as that. But And, you know, when you're about 10 games in, they've only picked up, you know, like seven points, then you're probably sitting there thinking, like, that makes perfect sense. But Canyon has turned it around very quickly in the last couple of months. And we've seen them pick up some huge scalps. And I've been really impressed with the way that this team's playing. Um you know, last season they had Gillespie, who was picking up most of the goals assists, Daniel Redmond, and then obviously Ali Crawford, and all three of them haven't really been doing really anything so far this season. So it's not just the fact that 
Um, you know, Hamilton were already fighting from a losing position, but they also lost like three. Not not having lost, but I mean, although there have been injuries to almost all of them, especially Crawford. Um, but the three best players to an extent, at least in attacking sense, all went off the boil. And in kind of typical Hamilton fashion, they've just rustled up this bloody young player out of nowhere, Greg Docte, and he's he's just walked into this team. He's been an absolute revelation, in my opinion. I think he's he looks like a really great talent. Um, and they've also managed to pick up David Templeton as well, who um, we were just talking about off-air, actually, before we started this, that um, I'd be really surprised if he keeps this form up, that clubs aren't coming in for them uh, next summer, actually. Maybe even before January, although I'm not sure if they can, looking at the, the regulations. But So, you know, it's, it, it, I, I'm always kind of... Um, baffled that Martin Canning doesn't really get seem to get the credit that Alex Neal got at Hamilton. He's done a job. He's took over from Alex Neal. Sure, he took over from a decent squad Alex Neal built, but he himself had to reinvent that team over and over again. And for the budget they're on, he's done a great job. And I think this season's going, so far, I mean, I don't think you could really, I don't think a lot of Hamilton fans would expect it, they'd be where they are now. And they put some real proper distance between Partick Thistle um, and yeah, I mean that's that's really the gist of it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think this season's kind of finally put to rest the the debate that seemed to have raged for seasons since Alex Neal left. Is Cannon actually a good manager, or yeah, what can you expect be expected to do with Hamilton? They were always flirting with relegation. They were always touted for relegation, and he's kept them up what three seasons, four seasons now, three seasons. Um, at the start of the season, I couldn't see anyone else going down looking at the squad. I just thought there's no one weaker than them. There's, there's absolutely no chance. But as you say, David Templeton, I'd, I'd, I think there's a case to be made that Hamilton could be rock bottom if they hadn't brought him in. He's, he's contributed so much. He's like a different player like exactly. he was at Rangers. Like yep. He was really disappointing at Rangers, but he was a great player at Hearts. And to be fair to me, I think some of the hardest things when you've had such a bad time at a big club to go to swallow it's a better pill to swallow to go to potentially like you say on paper maybe the club that are most likely to get relegated and then kind of reinvent yourself yeah I mean Dundee United brought him in um, last season and they didn't reap the rewards from it but it, it must have been the same kind of thing do we take a chance on this guy who was at one point one of the big stars of the, the, the SPFL um, but has obviously fallen away in recent years and Hamilton have given him a, a place to recover and uh, redevelop his, uh, his talent um, and it looks like the only way is up for him just now um, otherwise uh, you said about Crawford he has fallen out of the team this season um, in the last couple of seasons he's been talismanic for Hamilton but I would argue probably overrated um, and him falling out of the team has given guys like Greg Doherty a place to uh, a place to kind of shine um, I had heard as well that Greg Doherty has been linked with Preston um, obviously his old manager Alex Neal I don't know if there's any currency in that right enough, but uh, I'd, I'm sure if he does go, Neil will pull like in a Tony Andrew and pay them about three million. For him anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing. The old Phil manager cheat, you know, like figuring <laughs> your old coach. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I mean that's a really interesting point, though. I mean, I think obviously Hamilton are kind of famous now for just constantly bringing through a huge amount of young players, and well, those are a good youth academy. Exactly, and I think. David, even interesting about Templeton is he's obviously not a young guy anymore, he's like 28, but he's the way that he's managed to settle in at Hamilton so quickly is probably a testament to how well they're good at how good they are at bringing in young players and the yeah. fact that Canning and the club in general, and that goes back to also Alex Neal, are just so good at just obviously giving players time and space that they wouldn't get. At a, I mean, if you look, you think about it like what Dundee United, Rangers, and Hearts, that's three of the most like volatile clubs in Scottish football the last four or five years. Yeah. So. 
should, it's, I think I think Templeton's reaping the rewards of a really good setup, and Hamilton themselves are too now. Um, so. All like 56 of their fans, they must be absolutely delighted with how yeah. things are going. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the great thing about um, them kind of securing, well, obviously they've not secured safety yet, but it looks like they're not, they're, they've got enough about them to stave off relegation again. Uh, with a small club like that, you'll come up one season, you'll stay up, but then you're kind of thinking, well, what's, what do we do now? It's going to be seasons upon seasons of this, and it has been. But at the same time, because they've been up for so long, they've, they've uh, been able to put down roots in the Premiership and kind of reap the benefits from the money. Uh, I know they, they got elite stats in Project Brave, is that right enough? They, they brought in, um, they've got technical analysis and, uh, analysis and performance directors and stuff like that now. So um, you'd say it looks a lot brighter for Hamilton than it did a, a couple of seasons ago when Alex Neal left anyway. Yeah, I mean, I know I just made a joke about it there, but they do get they get, they get ripped because they don't have the biggest attendance. Yeah. And unfortunately, like Douglas Park's a bit of an eyesore, especially on telly. And unfortunately, it kind of characterises all the, all the kind of cliches that and stereotypes that people bash Scottish football for, but behind that, there's obviously a club doing a lot of great work, and I've I've enjoyed watching. Not even just like they're picking up results; they're actually playing a lot of really interactive football with young players, and long may it continue. Do you, do you see them surviving then? I think so. Yeah, I mean, Park Thistle are in real trouble just now. They usually they usually turn it around. Um, they usually have a bad start, don't they? And then turn it around um, after a few games. But I mean, Alan Archibald looks kind of bereft of ideals just now, and it's it's strange because it's it's mostly the same squad there as it has been. Uh, otherwise, Dundee are struggling quite a lot. Um, and I mean, you'd say Ross County under Owen Coyle, but I, again, you'd kind of have faith in him to turn it around, I suppose. Yeah, there's 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 God, there's only three points between eleventh and seventh right in the league. And then Hearts are on top of that with one extra point. So, I mean, it's, it's still all there to play for. But if you, if you you're, that's basically the, the gist of it. Hamilton really only have to worry about being better than Thistle and Dundee. Yeah. And they do. And not only that, I mean, I wrote a piece about Thistle yesterday and for Sunday on the page. And I was talking about how, you know, Thistle have kind of made their way in the Premiership since they got promoted by beating the teams around them in the bottom half of the table. They've got a really good record against... God, what's the stars like seventy nine percent of the points they won last season were against bottom six teams. Um, problem is though that over the last three seasons you've had three huge clubs come into the league. You've had St Johnston get their act together. You know you've had Motherwell this season get their act together. So that kind of that kind of like reservoir of points that Thistle or a club like Hamilton get is getting smaller and smaller. And then you add to the fact that Kilmarnock have managed to get Steve Clark in. Um, and Ross County managed to get own core. I think both of them are fantastic coaches. Going to turn things around there. We've already seen that. So there's really not much scope for Thistle, Dundee, and Hamilton to pick up points. Saying that, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Hamilton jump above Hearts and St Johnston actually before the end of the year because oh, end of the year, okay. because I can't see Hearts or St Johnston turning anything around right now. Yeah. I mean, Hearts might bring in a couple of players in January and it might click, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're fine. But the way things are going. It's troubling, you know. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just say this. And this is largely why I made this point. I was like, ha- Hamilton could quite feasibly go from one goal away from being relegated last season to pushing out, pushing for top six, come January, February. Worst comes to worst as well. It goes the other way, and maybe they do make the playoff spot or something. They've had so much experience in relegation battles, and they, they grind out results so readily. You've seen this week, one-one uh, Hearts. Last week, one-one Hibs. These are places they're going and not expecting to win, but they, um, they're they're fine. They're, they're solid, and they can grab a goal uh, for somewhere. And the the, play, the teams that are coming up to the championship, it's not a strong championship this year. Dundee United, St Mirren, you'd say probably. 
Uh, past that is Livingston, Dunfermline, and then uh, uh, Queen of South. And there's just there's no one there that are going to knock Hearts out of the Premiership. I wouldn't have thought. That's a really good point, though. I mean, not just the canning, but also with Al Archibald, the sense that there's real value in having these coaches who've done it before. You know, we obviously say, oh, it's nice if a, if a club stands by a coach when things turn bad, but in the case of Canning and Archibald, you've got two coaches who've had it bad three or four seasons now, and at least one point in those seasons, things have looked really, really grim, and the value in that comes from, for example, this season right now, the way Thistle, the form Thistle in right now, not really that many Thistle fans panicking or the club panicking like they would if it was a new coach because they've got Archibald, and even Arch- I found it quite bizarre, so maybe this is a perfect example, Archibald, after that Hibs game, they lost 1-0, he seemed quite nonchalant. He didn't seem like he didn't. He didn't feel like it didn't come across to me like this is the guy who's desperate and really frustrated. He lost three points. Are you saying that's like his bereft of ideas, or you think that he's no? Calm, I'm saying the opposite. Calm. I'm saying he's quite. He's still quite calm mm. because they've been there before and they've done that. So he's not mm-hmm. freaking out. And then it means he's got on with the job. But I think Canning's a perfect another example of that where, like you just said, Matt, you know he's done it before, and that then I think that then translates through the squad as well. If you've got a manager who's still calm and he's still collected, then if players have calm. When you've got a coach who's like burrowed away in his office and he's, he breaks and he lets off and he, and he, he snaps out at people because he's just Pedro. full of stress, sure. No, well, that's a example of someone just It, it does, it translates to the squad. So, I mean, I'm dragging on here about uh, Hamilton, but yeah, so all the, all the reasons above, I'm, 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 I'll, I'd say Hamilton deserves a good shot. Hamilton finished top six, great, okay. Yeah. Uh, With the Sam Allardyce of Martin Kelly. If you get a chance at Real Madrid, <laughs> who's, 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 who's the Gigi Acocha, Hamilton? Massimo Donati. I'm going to talk about Hibs, I know we talked about Hibs last week on, on the podcast, and I feel like listening back, because I'm that kind of guy that listens back to my own podcast, uh, we were a bit harsh. I think we were a bit harsh on them. Do well, you agree, Stefan? Like, I, I said like two or three times through the podcast, I know we're sounding harsh here, but yeah, I, I, try to, I try to put some uh, asterisks in and there. I, I, think, but the, I, mean, I think at the same time, we're trying, to hold them to, we're trying to hold them to the same account that their fans hold them to, which seems to be a very, very high standard. And I think my thing is, like, I think, yeah, they're a big club that's been promoted, but I think it's got to be remembered that they have been promoted and it's not as easy as just hitting the ground running. Like We've seen teams come up and struggle and... I would even say like Rangers, um, they're, they're still struggling uh, and they're spending much more money than Hibs are. Um, another point that was made last week was the fact that other clubs like St Johnston and Hearts are struggling. But I would also say like clubs like Motherwell are overachieving uh, and Hibs have still got to be there. Uh, I, I, I do think some, it's a good time to be a Hibs fan. I think the difference this time is off the pitch, they're just a lot stronger and the club itself is not probably the best place ever has been since, since I've been been alive. Um, yeah, I, I just think... Um, you said something really interesting to me this morning. The fact they haven't lost away since March. I mean, that was a stat I stole from our colleague James. Yeah, I mean, on his power rankings piece today. That's that. an that's an incredible stat, and you, yeah, you, you could argue as much as you want that they, they maybe could be doing better if they're picking up more points against these smaller teams. Um, but then I think consistency is one of the hardest things to find in a team, particularly when you're new in the league. And I think a, a lot of people need to remember what Hibs were like when they went down. It was an absolute shambles of, a, of an operation and and now it, it really is a case of don't run before you can walk I think right now the Hibs fans should be really pleased I'm not saying that yeah don't aim for something higher or for like uh, being better but it, it's, things, are, things are pretty good right and I think being they're top four right now they've mm-hmm. been top four most of the season uh, looking at Aberdeen they're in a bit of turmoil you would fancy them to be competing with them the rest of the season and Rangers just because Rangers have won two games I would still fancy Hibs to be in about Rangers the rest of the season as well. Um, 
and also the, 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 they are up for the big games. They went to Ibrox and maybe there was a bit of stroke of luck with the Jack Red card, but they, they know how to go and rough teams like that up and they were very, very good against Celtic when they were at Celtic Park as well. So I, I do think it's very easy to overlook them in the sense that they're a big club that's been promoted and they're not like other sides that have come up from the Championship. But I also think they're having a very, very good season because uh, I don't think it's just, just as, it's, it's just not a given that a big club can come up and just hit the ground running because I think people, a lot of people, particularly in the Rangers support, maybe expected Rangers to come up and we'll, we'll be finishing second and that just isn't the case and again with Hearts, I think people thought that after Robbie Nielsen left, we're in a position where we're going to be fine but um, it's similar to the Robbie Nielsen thing where it's like don't wish for maybe, maybe you've got it better than you, you think you would have it if Lennon wasn't there for example or yeah, I think fans naturally just kind of take things for granted that it should be the way it is. Like I was talking to a few Rangers fans last night on Twitter about Derek McKinney's possibly taking over and I think a lot of them were saying, well, they were kind of belittling what he'd done at Aberdeen and they were like, oh, what's well, Aberdeen? They should be finishing third or second when Rangers aren't there. And I'm like, well, you can't just discount. I mean, just because a coach does what he's supposed to do doesn't mean there isn't value in that. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's very hard for a coach to actually do what the club or the fans might expect him to, to do, you know, and that stands for McInnes as well and the fact that he had to do a huge amount of work to get Aberdeen to where they are now and that translates quite well to Lennon as well in the sense that, sure, maybe because he's sitting third right now, you might think, well, they're Hibs, they probably should fourth, be up there. Fourth, sorry, yeah. well, they were third before yeah. the season, sorry, or the, before the weekend. Just that, that doesn't matter really to an extent. It's the fact that he's managed to get it in the first place is still a huge achievement. You saw it last year in the championship as well. He'd obviously spent three years in the second tier, and uh, the fans were just fed up with it. They had their Scottish Cup win and find that appeased them for a bit, but um, and they won the league as well, obviously, last year in the championship. But at the same time, they weren't playing the most exciting football, and Hibs fans were quite um, disenchanted with the whole thing. But, um, They've had this slingshot. Uh, I think guys that were playing in the championship weren't playing their full potential. John McGinn was the most kind of prominent example of that. Um, but he's finally back in the top tier, and he's, he's, I think he sees himself as a talent that should be there. It's uh, it's given him a chance to really kind of show off um, what what a good player is, and uh, Hibs look at all the better for it. Like. Yeah, there's, I mean, people at McGeek as well. He's really yeah. stepped up. He's playing really, really well, and. I think he bought well in the summer as well. Like they spent a lot more than I mean, Motherwell and Aberdeen, for example. I was all in here, kind of come guns blazing, like spent nothing, and then I kind of looked at the clubs around them, taking out Rangers and Celtic, and actually they spent more than Motherwell and Aberdeen and, and transfers. But at the same time, I think they've bought well. Like Marciano's been a good sign, and arguably the weekend, if Marciano wasn't goals, they probably would have lost to Thistle. It was a really tight game. Um, the likes of uh, Slivka has been good. Uh, Simon Murray has been a good sign. That's another one that stepped up from the championship. Yeah. And you think he's not got the ability for this level, but he's, he's absolutely proved everyone yeah, wrong. I, I know I, a lot of his goals are coming to Betfred Cup, but he's, he's no, continued been, that in the season. I've been pleasantly surprised. It's got to the point where it's hard to argue that Simon Murray is a bad player. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that is a weird thing, isn't it? I was, yeah. it's, I've, I'm expecting him to just drop off and, yeah. he's, and he just won't. Well, the only time he, he kind of stopped scoring goals was when Stokes came back into the team and uh, there's been a bit of discipline there but even that you'd say Lennon's probably handled quite well. Um, Stokes is a big personality in the dressing room. He's, he's not had any qualms dropping him. He's a guy that Lennon's got a history with as well. Um, but as I say, he's, 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 um, he's identified the problem and removed it. And it's, uh, hips aren't struggling. I think the game of the weekend was quite interesting as well because Obviously, we've talked about how they can raise their game for like big clubs and stuff like that. But Thistle away is like it's even if they are struggling, it's still not an easy game. Um, 
and it was it was tight. It was really tight, and that's the kind of games they've been dropping points at against so-called lesser teams uh, when it's been these tight, narrow games. But if they can do more of what they did at the weekend, that's when we'll see if they can take perhaps what you'd call the next step up. I think we also mentioned last week though as well. I think December's going to be a bit of a interesting month to see how good this Hibs team are because their next three games are Celtic and Rangers at home and then Aberdeen away. So if they come out with, I don't know, even if what, with five points, you would say that's pretty decent. Even I think even well, if you five just, points would be incredible. Even if you just yeah, beat, yeah. even if you get four, like I think I think realistically they're, they're not yeah. going to beat Celtic. But then at the moment Celtic aren't firing all cylinders. You could definitely best maybe get a point. Rangers again. I They've think already it, went total with Celtic twice this season. Well, that's and it. Done exceptionally well. I think with Rangers, I know like their form at Easter Road is nowhere near as good as it is on the road. But Rangers, I think it, it's very easy to get carried away if you're a Rangers fan. I'm not saying they didn't play well this week against Aberdeen, both those games. But if if Rangers fans obviously need to maybe temper expectation in the sense that it's two get two wins against Aberdeen, but before that you struggled against Camelton and Dundee. So until you know who your manager is, until you know what this team are going to be like, you don't know if Rangers are going to be that same team next weekend. They are inconsistent. So again, I think Hibs could cause some problems. And then Aberdeen, it's a case of, well, McKinnis still be there and will they recover from this? So I think as much as on paper it looks difficult, I think I fancy Hibs to cause all three of those teams problems and could, could do pretty well in terms of taking points away. So where do we think Hibs will finish then this season? And um, where do they have finished for you to say? continue this idea that I think if they finish best. top four it's a good season four is realistic yeah mm-hmm. I, th- I think um, I mean as much as Rangers will probably get that together depending on who comes in it looks like it's going to be McInnes so that that could substantially weaken Aberdeen um, you'd say that's a, quite an unbalanced squad just now Aberdeen as well as they've done it's, um, they're not exactly flying high and I don't think the atmosphere in the club's that good either for how uh, high they are um, so I mean it's, you could say it's there for the taking but fourth would be exceptional for Hibs so. yeah I mean I think the fact that there's so many other big clubs in the, in the league this season who are faltering can be taken as a positive and a negative compared to Hibs because you could argue sure they're, they're fourth but you know that's because St Johnston and Hearts are you know falling apart right now Rangers are in like flux and Aberdeen haven't looked great but then you could also argue well as a Hibs fan, it's pretty sweet because we've got a coach who seems to know what he's doing. We've got a team who are exciting, full of young players, full of good players. Off the pitch, Dempsters. Yep, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's, well, that's the big thing as well. And it, there's been so many documented problems with Hearts recently and uh, Anne Budge's reign, but Anne Budge has been this kind of golden girl for uh, Edinburgh. Leanne Dempster's done just as good a job. She's under the radar a wee bit. I know like, Graham, Graham did a big piece on her, but she, I think you're right. The Anne Budge stuff's definitely, well, I don't know about you guys, I've, I think she's definitely received maybe more coverage. and. I think Dempster just went about it kind of quietly, maybe not as much in the kind of public's eye, and it's, it honestly is it's in a good place. Difficult for a bunch because she's um, obviously had decisions to make over uh, Ian Cathro, um, she's had to be uh, a face in the media for um, the stand as well, uh, so it would be difficult for her to keep a low profile, but you'd have to say that has to been to the eternal uh, benefit of Hibs and Leanne Dempster. Yeah, I mean, I've, a lot of Hearts fans from what I gather are kind of getting really pissed off at not only the, the team performing quite poorly but there seems to be something in the papers every day about the club you know if it's not Craig Levine fighting with Michael Stewart it's Budge or it's whatever it's you know an assistant coach picking a fight in the sidelines you know it's fire it's, alarm going yeah. off at the weekend <laughs> exactly yeah and obviously the fiasco with the, the, the stand and things like that and so I think Hibs fans probably are probably quite enjoying the fact that they're being able to just kind of you know, like you say, flying under the radar, have, they're not really saying too much in the papers or anything. They can just get on with their job and 
So far, they've done that to their credit. Perfect. Yeah, I think well. it's a good time to be a Hoods fan for sure. No one did really argue that. Well, that's all we've got time for. Thanks very much for coming on, Matt. Thanks for uh, I've got a, a joker rope before I get a, this, oh, has been, this has been a lot of two point fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually really annoyed. I never thought of that. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. So I'll be back. I might just, I might just take that as the outro clip for every pod from now on. I was going to say you just cut it straight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll cut that. Yeah, I mean it's been it's been fun, uh, and thanks for having us in your uh, massive massive flat. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, who said journalism doesn't pay well, right? Yeah, just um, to paint a picture here for some listeners, Matt's kitchen consists of a massive table tennis table. Which is what, but how, I mean, I'd say maybe about eight feet by four feet or something. Yeah, you, you need to be like, you need to level this out by saying I, I sleep upstairs in the living room, so it's not, this <laughs> is my bedroom, my kitchen, and my living room. It's not, I've not got this. Sure. This is Mark Zuckerberg's flat. <laughs> nah, cheers, for, uh, cheers for coming in, it's been great. And we'll be back next week. Uh, I'm sure Graham will be back as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. his dulcet tones. It will be back. Yeah, stuffing mince pies down his face. Uh, until then, you can keep up with everything the 2.1 are doing on social media. That's uh, at the 2.1 on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And in terms of finding out more about subscriptions and to keep up with all the articles that we're posting, uh, you can go to the2.1.com.